Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're going to hear no many times, but all you need to hear is that one yes. Martin Wren. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Storybox podcast. My name is Jay Phantom, and I'm your host for this show. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Martin Wren, the CEO of Nova Employment, providing jobs for people of a disability, on the show to talk about exactly what he does, specifically the history behind Nova Employment and his career in general, why he decided to do this specific line of work, because it is very unique. It's very needful as well. I myself work in this kind of industry and I know exactly how hard it is and how rewarding it can be at the same time. So Martin is a very knowledgeable, very wise and a very kind man as well. You'll you'll hear a lot of information, a lot of value in his story uh, on this episode. Uh, So I don't want to focus too much on the intro. I'm I'm excited to, to share this with you guys. So let's dive into the story box and hear Martin Wren's story. Sure. Uh, My name's Martin Wren. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Nova Employment, which is a Sydney-based employment service that is allowed to be exclusive. We won't let you in unless you've got a disability. Mm. Uh, And we've been doing that for 30 years. Uh, Over that time, there have been some... uh, I want to try and stay on topic, so you're going to need to clip me every now and again and bring me back on talk. That's okay. Not a man to use one word when a thousand will do. Um, I like a bit of a rant anyway. It's always good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have been accused occasionally of ranting. Um, prior to Nova, I was employed by the Western Sydney Institute of TAFE as a vocational trainer, preparing. Um, it was a program that was actually designed to take students while they were still in high school and connect them with the TAFE to get vocational skills that would enable them to be uh, more likely to gain employment. Mm -hmm. And everything in it worked beautifully except for the last bit, which was actually getting a job. Mm -hmm. Because what we had, whereas previously we'd had unskilled people with disability looking for work, we had semi-skilled people with disability looking for work. And at the time, uh, and it has changed significantly since, but at the time there was a great deal of scepticism on the mm. part of employers as to whether or not people with disability could work, should work, or would work, particularly in their business. Mm. So no one, no one was uh, successfully gaining work. I think the, the actual statistics were that three percent of students leaving special education went into real jobs. And what's that percentage now? Uh, would be well for us. It's in the low eighties. Wow. 
So 82, 83%. And sorry, I, I did tell you there would be no math involved. <laughs> yes. before. Yeah, that was that's my greatest concern. <laughs> <laughs> that's a math question. Yeah. So, okay, that's, that's pretty incredible. And how long has Nova been around for? Almost 30 years. 2020 will be our 30th year. And you were telling me just before how Nova got started. So can you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry, Jerry. I, I go on. It's old age. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we being a group of teachers, uh, educators and associated folk were concerned that people who we knew, and, and I can say that hand on heart, absolutely convinced could hold down mainstream jobs in the general working community, same pay rates, same rights, same responsibilities. It just wasn't happening. Mm. And so we – and you've got to remember, this was a time before the internet, so prehistory. Mm. This was before mobile phones. Um, we got one of the first plain paper faxes. <laughs> wow. It, it was um, – it's been such a long, short period of time and there have been such remarkable changes. Uh, but the bottom line for us was that we wanted to do something. We just didn't know what. And we weren't able to readily go and Google mm. what others had done. We had to try for ourselves. So what we did was we thought well, the greatest way to do this would be to get together a group of our guys and to have them set up their own business and to run in that business and then uh, to provide a place where people would come in, pick up some vocational skills and get paid mm. and then move on to other things. The problem with that approach was that people were keen to come and work. They made friendships, got together a crew in which the team worked well together and why would you leave? Mm, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so we, we realised something different had to be done and uh, the idea of open employment was still fairly fairly new but we thought we'd give it a try. And so we became uh, – we got some money off of John Fay, who was then the Minister for Industrial Relations, subsequently became the Premier. Wow. And then the Minister for Foreign Affairs in the federal government. Uh, but very generously, he gave us some money to uh, essentially ex – not experiment, that's not the right term – but to try some, some new ways. We, we ended up coming back to one old way, and that was that if we were able to approach employers, say to them, we've got a, a bloke who's got all of these skills and can bring all of this ability – uh, and their disability, rather than being a barrier, has actually contributed to making them the person they are. We think you'll love them. Give them a go. We'll be there to come with you on the journey, and together we can make it a work. Mm. And, and and it did. And and in the first year of solely doing what's termed open employment, that's regular jobs in the general community, in the first year of doing that we got 21 people into work, which was a terrific achievement. We, at the time we just thought, well, that was just our bit, but it was to prove uh, a very strong foundation for us in the years to come because mm. we, we learned a heap and experience is the name men give to their mistakes. So we, <laughs> we, we gained lots of experience. But we also learned some things that, that remain true mm. and, and they're around, first of all, if you were to ask me what, what is so your best, um, <laughs> ask me 
what what's the one thing that supported us through all of those t- all of those years? I think we've had two recessions and two booms. Um, it, it's an unshakable belief in the ability of our product, and that's the young men and women that trust us with their employment hopes. An unshakable trust in their ability to achieve and to be successful, to justify the pay they get. Because as a business owner myself, if you come to me and say, Martin, give me a dollar and I'll give you two, that is a machine I want to use. And it's no different for people with disability. Where, where, In fact, I I would actually argue that the, the disability becomes invisible. People don't see it. It might be the first thing you see upon meeting someone, but when you work in an environment in which you rely on that person to be part of your team and they don't let you down and they become part of the an integrated workplace, disability disappears. Mm. It doesn't mean that you're not deaf anymore. It doesn't mean that you're not blind. But it does mean that people will recognise and accept you on the basis of what you can do and what you do bring. Mm. That's great. And where mm. did the name Nova come from? Um I'd like to say it was the product of careful thought mm. and imagination and, and we were thinking of a bright new star in the, in the firmament, but that's actually not true at all. It was the best <laughs> we could come up with. <laughs> Nobody hated. That's, okay, I've always wondered what the story was behind Nova in the, in the first place. So how did you become the CEO? I was the only person that put the hand up. Well, that's not, that's not quite <laughs> true, but I uh, I had, um, and it, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant, although I often am. Um, I had an, an absolute belief that this was my job, mm. that that it was right for me, and that given the opportunity, I could achieve almost limitless results. And and that's that's thirty years on. Here I am, completely institutionalized, unable to do any other work and hoping no one prizes me out before I retire. Mm. Well, I hope that doesn't happen from a personal <laughs> point of view. But um so why why would someone come to Nova Employment? Because they're smart. Do you, in, in what sense, Jared? Do you mean as as a job seeker looking for work or as an yeah. employer looking for staff? So a bit of both. So, because I know there's a lot of other employment services out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, hang on, just just for our readers, morning tea has broken <laughs> in. I'm being handed coffee. There's pretty pretty decent sort of oh, morning tea cake there. When no, we come to break, we'll yeah we'll fight over it. <laughs> so, I guess my question is like, why would someone come to Nova over another? support i hope they'd come to us because they've done some research and it's it's um this is where i'm glad that my heritage is english rather than australian because if i was thoroughly australian and i've been here for 40 years but if i was thoroughly australian i wouldn't boast however there's a little piece of england still inside me that empowers me to say well the reason they come here is because we're the best Mm. uh do research would be my advice to everyone, particularly to, to mums and dads concerned about their, their kids coming out of school. Um, but to everybody that's considering coming here, do research. They, uh, if you um, were, for example, to Google disability employment services, comma, mm-hmm. star ratings, 
there's a federal government scheme that measures the uh, achievements and the relative uh, deliverables, relative outcomes achieved by each organisation. So it's an, an apples with apples comparison. Mm. Um, someone has to be in front. Someone has to be at the top. It's consistently in overemployment. We, at least based on the star ratings, are the most effective disability employment service in Australia. Mm. Um, that is our fault. We, we set out to do the right thing by the people that come to us. We still have about a 20% failure rate because I said 80-odd percent per people going to work. The downside of that is 20% aren't successful. Well, we're working on it. I can't guarantee outcomes, but I can guarantee that we'll be doing our damnedest to get that 80 to 100%. Mm, that's good. And I guess going back to when Nova first started, what were the challenges that you faced? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Okay, so it's ninety. It's the end of nineteen um, eighty. No, sorry, the end of nineteen seventy nine. The start of nineteen nineteen eighty nine. The start of nineteen ninety. Edit this out for me, lad. <laughs> um, and, and this is the first time. And you know, you get fired up with stuff, mm. and you can't see the downsides. I was fired up and I couldn't see the downside. So I grabbed two of the guys. I said, come with me. We're going to go to Campbell's Cash and Carry in Penrith and we're going to – when they see and hear what you guys can do, can't fail. Mm. Now, this is naivete in its extreme case, but I genuinely thought this is the that they were advertising for workers. I had two great workers. I went down there with them. In we went up to find the manager and I found a guy who thought he was the manager or thought he, you know, he could handle the question. And I told him my story and I told him why I had the two lads with me and he said to me words to the effect of, wait a minute, I'll be back in a second. And he came back with another old guy and said, tell me again. So I told him again that I had two great candidates. on. You can't see the gestures here that I'm making with my hands, but I'm indicating me showing that business manager the two fine young men I'd brought with me who I knew could do the job. I'd done a bit of warehousing and I knew what was involved and I knew these kids and I knew what they could do and they laughed. They, 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 they actually laughed at me and laughed at the concept that anyone that had Down syndrome could possibly work. And uh, to say that was deflating probably doesn't do deflating sufficient justice. Mm. It, but it also made me angry and more determined to be successful. It was a, it was a shame I'd done made the approach the way I made it. I had a lot to learn. But as I said, you know, eagerness and enthusiasm doesn't always make up for professionalism and experience. Uh, but we got better. So what did you do to change the opinions of some of those employers? The only way – no one wants to be first, mm. but no bugger wants to be last. Um, once we – is that editable? Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, once we had one guy working mm. and I could say to other employers, you know, I know how you feel. Fred down the road at what you call it, what you call it, felt the same way too. But what he found was that working together, we could get a great employee. And one thing I love about Australia and Australians is that fair go is not just a phrase. 
It, it's a genuine belief. If you say to a bloke, you need a fair go, everyone knows what you mean. Mm. And most Australian business owners, uh, despite all the bad press that you hear from time to time, most of them will give our guys a fair go. And then the ball's on the other foot because it's down to us to prove that, that we what we've said is what we can deliver and that's mm. a competent worker. And how do you deliver on what you said? First of all, we, we get to know the guy we're looking for work for. So we've got some insight into the things that they need. And that may be adaptive technology. That might be the working environment itself, you know, prefer to work in a small team, like to be part of a bigger thing, like to work on my own, whatever it may be. And then we match to the extent that we can, we we match the ability that person brings and their aspiration to the opportunity an employer provides. Mm. And when we get that right, when you've got ability, when you've got aspiration, so I can do it, I want to do it, I can do it, and finally there's that opportunity, here's a place in which I can do it, you're going to work. Mm. And if we've done our job right and we've matched the person into their employment, all things being equal, they are going to make their new working environment a productive place. The boss is going to get paid for their labour. He's going to be able to pay the worker out of that money and keep some change, all the while that sum works, the person's going to stay employed. We've had people in work for 25 longer years. And they're still enjoying it? Oh, you can't see me putting the thumbs up. <laughs> He's got a big smile on his face. Big now. smile, big <laughs> thumbs up, both hands. That's great. So what was it? What was the catalyst that you noticed when you first started after that experience with that employer? What sort of... I got better. I, I became, see, you can be fired up. It's like train spotting. <laughs> I, I, I don't like train spot. I don't know that I don't like it, but I've never done it. And I, I have a kind of a preconception about what that might be like. Mm. There are people that absolutely love it. Uh, and I had to get over my own fanatical belief that not only could people work, but they should be working. Um, people say to me today, what do you do? I always say I'm a manufacturer. I make taxpayers. Mm. And people, I help the economy. <laughs> well, people, you know, grumble about paying tax. So I'd like to pay more. Mm. If I paid more tax, it would mean I was earning more money. <laughs> so I've got no problem with it. And uh, in my experience, the people that I work with desperately want the opportunity to, to contribute. To be a fully, it's, it's a barbecue. First thing you're going to get is, my name's Martin, what's yours? And at some point pretty early in the conversation, to keep it moving along but also so I can mark you on my social index, I'm going to say to you, what do you do for a dollar? Mm. And, you know, for those of your listeners who've been unemployed, that's not a cool response. It's, it, it, there's a, there's a, even when it's not our fault, there's a stigma around unemployment. I don't think it's or justifies the Channel 9 approach. You know, we we, we got you who uh, lift in and your back's supposed to be bad. Let's chase you down the street and see how your running is. Um, my experience would be quite the opposite, that everybody I know that doesn't have a job desperately wants one, will do anything to participate, will get up early, come home late, work hard, um, and apply themselves 100% to the opportunity they've been given. That's a great deal. 
Mm. Like I'm talking to employers, I get really excited about what I've got because I've got people that want to do something and a volunteer has got it all over a conscript. Mm. So what did it take for you to become better? Um, calming spirit of some of my co-workers <laughs> who reduce my excesses mm. um, but also practice. The thing that makes you really good at what you do is doing it lots of times. And, yeah. And um, have you found, like, spreading awareness compared to back then to where it is now has been a lot easier? When we – Nova has become a generic. It's almost a brand name, like Elastoplast. You know, we go, oh, it's a Band-Aid. Or, or we call it elastoplast and it's a Band-Aid. The, the, the name of the product becomes synonymous with what it does. Mm. Nova is synonymous with disability employment. Things have changed. We were responsible for a lot of firsts. The first website on disability employment, that was ours. The first apprenticeships and traineeships, they were ours. The um, first advertising campaign, that was ours. Yeah. Mind you, we, we saved up some money, uh, only a few thousand dollars. I think it might have been $3,000. And we, we went to WSFM, who were just wonderful. And we said to them, we've got this much money. What can you do for us to put a, our product on the radio? We want people to say, to hear us and go, I'll give someone with a disability a go. We, we hearts in mouth because we didn't have any money. The, the, these days, Nova would spend $3,000, well, more than that every day. But back then, we'd never spent a, um, a cent. Mm. And I was prepared for all the things that could go wrong. I'd worked out what I was going to tell the board of directors. I, I'd worked out what I was going to tell the staff. I'd, just because if it goes wrong, I want to be able to know what I'm going to say. I want to have all that ready. And I will never forget coming into the office, looking at one of my colleagues, and she said, what will you do when the phone starts ringing? <laughs> and it was the one thing I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> I was prepared for defeat and disaster but not prepared for success. And we did start to get success. Mm. Uh, I, I think more than anything else, the advertising campaign just keeps us in people's minds. I don't know that it necessarily accounts for actual job starts. In fact, probably the opposite. Um, but it does keep the uh, the concept of disability employment to mind. That's good. Uh, mm. yeah. So why do you think it's important to spread awareness about not just jobs but about people that actually have a disability that to give them a fair go and uh, treat people like they're human beings? It's good for you. Well, <laughs> may I, I answer the question? Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, I, I think... It's good for us as a society. When I was a small boy, we lived in London opposite the home or the school for what was then, and this was what it was called, the deaf and dumb. Wow. Dumb meaning can't speak yeah. rather than intellectually impaired. But those kids were kept in a school with a, a, a 10-foot brick wall with broken glass pressed into the wet cement and barbed wire. And as a child growing up, I was afraid of anything that was different. And I think that attitude mirrored the attitude of my parents and everyone we knew, which was that at best people with disability 
were to be pitied or seen as the object of charity, mm. not as competent members of society. Um, and I, I've lost the theme of the question, Jared. I'm sorry. Where was I? Where was I going with it? About spreading awareness. Yeah. Why it's important. Mm. I went to school with all of the students that had a disability segregated, part of us but not amongst us. Mm. And the the treatment they received with the benefit of hindsight and 60 years' experience is very wrong. But my grandchildren go to school in classes where kiddies with disabilities are openly accepted by other kiddies who've never learned the prejudices that were ingrained into us. So, uh, so much progress has been made. There's still stuff to be done, oh, yeah. but so much progress has been made. And the fact is that as Australians, we're aware of the need to improve our disability services and our attitude toward people with disability. I genuinely believe we are working to an inclusive society mm. and, and I think it's an achievable goal now. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. It's changed a lot more than from when I first started at school and that was not that long ago mm. to where it is today. Mm. And it's because of men like you and oh. organisations like this that have spread the awareness that people just, they tack onto it, they approve it, they like it and they want to spread it as well. So Generous of you. I think the biggest contributor are the people themselves. That's true. Who've, who've honestly used their head in drop tests mm. to um, make a difference and break through. And there, if there's one thing that's almost universal about the guys that we offer to employers is that they are resilient. Now, they may have learned that resilience through unpleasant experience, but they're resilient and they've worked ways around it. They can... They can solve problems, they can step up and contribute in a way oftentimes that their non-disabled peers have never had to do. Mm. You know, how do you know you're good at it when you've never done it? But when it comes to solving problems, when, when it comes to bouncing back, uh, the guys I represent just the best team. Mm. And, Higher yeah. than everyone. If you have a vacancy, call one three hundred ability. That's one three hundred ability. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. You won't go wrong. Well, you can't guarantee that you'll go right, but I can guarantee you that we'll look after you. Which some sometimes is more better than, yeah, not doing it at all. Mm. So, and has this been something you always wanted to do? No, no, far from it. I, I was um, – my career prior to that had been as a small business owner and uh, as a salesperson. Mm. I didn't take up disability employment until I was almost 30. So I had, I brought with me a whole long list of failure, um, which had given me a certain – no. <laughs> um, I had, my scabbiest job – was actually probably my worst job was working at the RSPCA putting down dogs. Um, Ouch. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I'd sold off the back of a truck in Gosford Markets. Here you go, ladies. How about this? You're not going to get a saucepan like this anywhere else you try and just no. And I'd also been unwell mm. and I'd been quite unwell. 
for a couple of years. And I was desperately, I had a business that was paying the bills, but I was almost bedbound. I actually got, once we got some decent medicine, I got cured pretty quick. But in that interim period between still being unwell and being well, I was given the opportunity to work with a class of kids from the disabilities unit at TAFE. And I, I, in in the dictionary definition of the word, I fell in love with them. Mm. And I so badly wanted them to get what they wanted because there is nothing better and more in, inspiring than the enthusiasm of a teenager. It, not always well-directed enthusiasm, but but that sort it's of... Enthusiasm. Yeah, and life is, is opening opportunities and they're seeing themselves as not as kids anymore mm. but as young adults and as men and women and they want to get all of the things that that, that brings, friends, jobs, fun, mm. and employment enables all of that, of course. So... I don't know if you were able to elaborate more on the kind of sickness that you had. I had a, um, a, a fungal infection of the lining of my um, intestine and stomach. And it, what happened was I, I would, I, almost on command, you could almost ring me up and say, Martin, bleed, and, and, and I could. <laughs> so uh, once, it was extremely debilitating, but, but once I got rid of it, um, it was like a new, new, new opportunity for me, and it just coincidence, fate, whatever it may be, the two things coincided. Mm. Uh, something that that I thought I, I wanted to do, and I could do, and the, that I received an enormous amount of personal satisfaction from, coincided with the opportunity to do that thing, I was, and, and I, I grabbed it. Amazing, it. isn't it? Like even in pain, that you find a silver lining almost at the very end of it or even in that same moment. Yes, yeah. because I could – not working and not being able to work, you, you make excuses for why you – and they're not really excuses. I couldn't have worked. Hmm. Uh, I could barely get up and get around. So I was dragging my sad tail around behind me and it, this thing appeared at the same time I was getting a cure. Hmm. Um, and because I've been through CAT scans and MRIs and gastroscopies and all of this nonsense, to, uh, I, at one point I even tried the healing power of crystals. If you want some advice, it's free. Don't worry about the healing power of crystals. <laughs> Try <laughs> penicillin instead. <laughs> it's so much more effective. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that you're you healed and mm. you actually. Do you want to talk about the film festival? Film festival, yes. Come that's, on. That's where I came. Was that where we were going? That's where we were headed as well. Do we have anything else to do before we headed there? Um, we've got a couple more questions. Oh, let's deal with them then first. Okay. I've just I've put in a teaser for the film festival, <laughs> so I'm happy now. Awesome. I can't wait to talk about it because that's my that's where I came. Yeah, yep, he's, so. he's a winner, folks. <laughs> yeah, not really, but anyway. Um, <laughs> So what drives you? So what gets you up in the morning? I'm intensely competitive. Hmm. I, I, I may not necessarily believe that second's the first loser, but I will say it. <laughs> and if you'd grown up as one of my children, you would know that Dad thinks winning is not just necessarily the most important thing, but it's nuzzled right up next to it. Hmm. 
Um, I'm intensely competitive for myself, but also for those that I care about. And I want to see them get the best. And we are, I believe, making real differences in people's lives too. Because if you've got a job, everything comes off it. It's not just money. It's a sense of purpose. It's friendships. It's uh, opportunity to demonstrate your skills, to acquire new skills, to leave a mark, to better yourself, to save up. You've got money or consumer, you're a taxpayer, you begin to, you're viewed differently. Mm. You're viewed differently by your fellow Australians. You're viewed differently by your family. For for many of our mums and dads, there's been an enormous worry and a stress about what will happen to their son or daughter as they age. Well, having a great job, getting an apprenticeship, settling into a traineeship, bringing home money on a regular basis is so, so relieves anxiety so much. Mm. It, yeah. I don't know. Did I go off target or was, was that? That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Very good answer. So um, I guess. Was what, it a better answer than other people have given you? So far, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is a competitive they're spirit. All, they're all good, <laughs> yes. <laughs> good one. So what is it about stories that you find to be the most interesting? Oh, look, we we are as human beings attracted to stories. It, there's, I, I'm not overly religious, but there's a scripture somewhere, you probably could reference it for me, where the Bible writer says that without an illustration, Jesus wouldn't talk to the crowds. Mm. used stories because he knew that story, and he was the greatest teacher of all time, he knew that stories reach people's hearts. If you can reach people's hearts, you can change your attitude. And if you can change your attitude, you can get a better world. That's probably the best answer I've had for that question. <laughs> okay, so I feel really cool now. <laughs> I'm going to really be trying this night. Coming into the home straight and I'm in front. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could meet anyone in the world... Dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, you've got the obvious answers, like I just quoted Jesus. Mm. Um, leaving aside our Lord, Ernest, Ernest Shackleton. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't want to give the trite answers. I want to pick people that, that aren't Gandhi. Or JFK. I don't think I would have liked to have met JFK. Mm, no. <laughs> I, I think I might have liked to meet Jimmy Carter. I, I think he's very unwell at the moment, which is a shame. Um, you think, who else? No, that'll do for now. That's good. They're all yeah. good answers. The reason mm. why I ask that question is because did you have any mentors in your life? Yes, I did. Um, and... Uh, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm over 60 and that's all I'm admitting to. <laughs> he doesn't uh, look it. He does. <laughs> Just think walnut left on a beach. <laughs> um, my first boss in disability employment is a guy called Peter Barlow, was inspirational to me. Peter had a very loose approach to rules Mm. and 
I didn't need that. <laughs> but he also had a burning conviction in, in the ability of the students that he acquired for TAFE. He would do anything to give them the best outcomes he could achieve. He uh, inspired me and um, I loved what he taught me. I, uh, I thought he would he, – his own motivation was very much on a spiritual level. I never picked that up but I picked up their fire – and and the can do. Peter always taught that the, if if things weren't working out, it was your fault, and they weren't working out because you hadn't come up with the right solution. Yeah. And so the challenge was then to, to to get that solution and implement it and make a difference. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. And he paid me for doing that, which well. I thought was even better. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so. Film festival time. Oh, terrific, yes. So what was it? How did that start? I was bored. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I you know, just tried to make myself sound like um, some sort of special person so far, but no, I was bored. Um, I, also, I'd worked out through a careful process of math that it was going to take me 1,140 years to make a difference, and I, I wanted to bring that number down somewhat. And uh, th- that that formula that I gave you, which is essentially if you can reach people's hearts at the seat of their motivation, then you can change their attitude. It's always been with me. Mm. And I thought, you know, there were two things that were happening at that time. First of all, digital media was becoming affordable. People were getting smartphones that could take pretty pretty good uh, film. And that made filmmaking accessible to a much broader audience. And there is no sharper or better audience than kids aged from 15 through 18. Mm. They're creative, insightful, dedicated, committed, fanatically sometimes, because you know that, mm. um, <laughs> to using media as a means of getting their story across and along the way actually motivating and reaching people's hearts. So what I did was I, I got $1,000 from Nova's budget and I put it up as a prize to 12 high schools out in the western suburbs because we've got good relationships with schools because students with disability leaving the school frequently come to Nova. So we, we knew the teachers, we know the school, we know the level of interest and we know to some extent or could predict with some reliability how keen the students would be to be able to say we're making a film. Mm. You know, I'm I'm doing my comprehension in a study book reading some text I don't like or I'm out in the backyard with a camera making pictures. Oh, trust me, so much better. <laughs> well, it's a sight more fun and we we tapped into the creativity and talent of a host of, of, of kids who wanted to make films about people with disability either because they had a disability or because they wanted to show their skill or because they, they wanted to produce something that could go with them hmm. and we, we were just blown away by the response so we did it again and the number almost doubled and we did it again and it doubled and then we picked up um, Paula Duncan 
um, who your listeners will know as a seven-time Logie Award-winning actress um, with a tremendous nine series. Uh, uh, Home and Away? Uh, I think she did Home and Away, mm. yeah. She certainly did Neighbours. Yep. She was Harold's uh, wife in Neighbours. Yep. Uh, Cop Shop. Cop Shop, yeah. With, with um, her husband, John Orchick. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. But, mm. but, and, but what Paulie brought to us was, was a couple of things. First of all, she shared our passion for supporting people with disability and with, without any sort of sense of doing that for reward or gain other than personal satisfaction. Mm. Uh, and, of course, a, um, a resume that reads like the captain of the team. And Paula knew people and she brought a level of professionalism that turbocharged it. We also went to Canberra and met with um, Julie Bishop, who was then the Minister for Foreign Affairs, and she knocked us back when it came to giving us money but opened up the 94 embassies and consulates around the world that are um, Australian-operated. And we sent off little packages of films and um, promotional material. And I think so far we've had entries now from 45 different countries. Um, normally we get 25 to 30 entries every year. This is focusonability.com.au in case your listeners were wondering. You're just focus on ability. Look us up. We're all around the world. <laughs> the uh, festival last year generated 244 films. Yep. There's a catalogue, a back catalogue, of some uh, 1,400 films, I think. If you wanted to just sit down and start watching them, uh, it takes 39 hours nonstop and then you've seen every one. I was part of that competition. You were? Uh, with, yes. a, with And you've been part more than once. I've been part now three times. I just love coming back. And, uh, and, and you've been successful? Sort of. You can say like, I've been in the top top five more than once but haven't actually become successful in terms of winning one. So, so but the bridesmaid, but not the bride? Not the bride, not yet. <laughs> but it's not for me it wasn't about like the reason why I kept coming back wasn't for the prizes or the recognition. It was so my films could be seen. And so people could, like yourself or others that are struggling with different aspects mm. of their life, so they could see it and get inspired. Yes. Be motivated. And, and I think that's the real difference focus has made. Mm. It, it's, yes, some bunny every year wins a pretty good prize. Well done. Congratulations. Do you ever see them come back? Yes. And we, we've had some, um, some, some good successes. If, if you, I don't know, the, do you watch The Bachelorette? No. Me neither. But the current <laughs> Bachelorette um, kicked off with Tom's plan. So if you Google ah. focus on ability, comma, Tom's plan, there that you go. Okay. Yep. Uh, we've had some um, really quite successful films. One of the films went absolutely viral. Um, we At one point last year we had a film from, and I want to get the rugby club right, um, Guy Mia Dragons, I think, the um, young man plays for, but uh, they were uh, linked with Sharks. And uh, they had, I think, 430,000 views over the first weekend their film was posted. Um, but it, it, 
even if even if that wasn't the case, I still think the exercise is worthwhile because while I can boast about, you know, we have screenings all around the world, there are spin-offs in Malawi and Zimbabwe and um, there are people coming here from overseas and we're sending our guys overseas. It, it, it's all big noting. The real difference is when we get mums and dads and participants and teachers who write to us and say the difference this has made in the life of our son, my brother, mum, dad, whatever it may be, <coughs> excuse me, the difference it's made in their lives and and this was the, the thing we had in mind as a kind of a spin-off. We thought we'd catch up with the... Um, brightest kids in high school, with an idea that concentrating on a positive aspect of their fellow students' experience, their disability, would have a positive aspect on them. And in time, as they moved into the community and accepted positions of increasing authority, they'd come with a positive approach and a positive attitude. You might even get a job out of them. Um, or... The other thing that participation has is certainly effective in, and I think is one of the greater achievements of the festival, is in reducing bullying, mm. um, because that's certainly true. It doesn't, you know, there's always going to be some bunny who, uh, because of personal inadequacy, feels they need to put someone else down. But to start to concentrate on the positive aspects of a person or to see what they can achieve, um, I think it, I'm sure it was uh, Mount Isa High School put in a film called, I, I'm not, actually I'm not sure of that, but the film I can remember was Blockbusters and Shapeshifters, which is a um, single-frame animation. And the creation of that film, according to parents and teachers and the students themselves, has led to a remarkable rethink on the part of their peers as to the worthiness, and it shouldn't be so, but nevertheless it is, the worthiness and um, ability of these two young men. It's pretty incredible how over the years, I mean, people are still able to make different films. I mean, for me... When I first started, I would watch all the previous films and I'd look at them and see which one hasn't been, like which disability hasn't been mentioned yet. Mm. So my first film was about Tourette's syndrome. Yep. And that was uh, No Limits. So, and then after that, it was I think some, a girl had cancer. So it was trying to think outside the box of yeah. what affects everyday Australians that hasn't been really talked about mm. that much. Um, and then my last one was Unseen. That was blind person, how blind people can usually see a lot more than what we can. Yeah. Because we're sort of surrounded by all this negativity, all this, yeah. Can I commend you for that film because it's a pretty – look, if you Google focus on ability, comma, Unseen, mm -hmm. and you can see for yourselves this, this young man's talent. It, it shines through the film. It's inspirational. And I think um, one of the ones we um, – I think I know – one of the ones we've used when we've taken the roadshow out as an example of what's been achieved and, and the contribution you've made is certainly uh, well respected. Hmm. I appreciate that. Like, honestly, I've just been amazed hmm. at the reception of just even not, – not, not just my film, 
but all the other people's films and ones that everyone's worked really, really hard to produce. Because I know how, how hard it is to mm. actually produce a film, whether it's five minutes or not. It's, it's a time-consuming process, but you do it because you love the, the idea, you love the process involved, you love the actual message yep. as well that you're trying to bring out there to people. And coming along to the Red Carpet Awards now, oh, that's that, pretty that cool. that works too. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's been, and like getting your photo taken that on the red carpet, that yep. as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, you look mm. forward to those things. As the um, guy behind the thing, I've got to tell you, it never changes. We were we did a screening in Los Angeles, and James Cromwell came along. No way. Yes way. <laughs> <laughs> well, was I starstruck? Yes, I was. Mm. Uh, it, like people, what we managed to do, Jared, and I, and I, and I, I think I, I'd be interested to get your view on it. Is we've we've struck a chord with humanity. And there is something because we get filmmakers from Ethiopia, the Congo, Malaysia, Indonesia, all around the world. It's a universal thing. People love stories, and the stories, the five. Of course, we haven't said the films are five minutes or less. A short story, a five-minute lesson in what is being achieved. The the struggles people have. The um, at the start of one of the films that we've been screening recently called Chances, which I think is a Kenyan film, the narrator, who's also one of the actors, says, you know, no matter how hard your struggle, there's someone struggling with more. Mm. No matter how difficult the, the challenge, there's someone overcoming more. And you just have to pick yourself up sometimes and and be inspired by the stories and, and you know, contribute your own, frankly. I remember, I remember sitting there watching some of the films that do play on the awards night and just being, like you said, inspired, awestruck and mm. thinking, well, wow, like that, that's different. Like yeah. I, I wish I thought of that. And know? the filmmakers have been so courageous in their approach to films. I mean, if you want to look up transgender and disability, you can. Mm -hmm. If you want to deal with issues around sexuality, suicide, specific disability, um, psychoses, schizophrenia, these, these are things that we struggle with. But the filmmakers have gone, well, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it a crack. Mm. And not every one of the films is is well made, but all of the stories are worth watching. Mm. Uh, I know because I've watched most of them several times. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm still inspired, incidentally. Mm. Uh, you know, if I could just relate the story to talk to the effectiveness of films as an emotional tool. In New York at the Australian consulate where we screened, I met a couple of nurses from the New York hospital's um, palliative care unit. And I said to them how much I appreciated what must be an incredible sacrifice to spend your life around something as, as awful as death and yet to be able to give care and support to people in that period in, the, in their 
well, it's no longer going to be in their lives, but in, in where they're at, how, how much that was. And they said, yeah, we're, we're pretty hardened. And so I've always been one to see opportunity when opportunity exists. I said to them, well, if you, if you cry at the end of this film, you owe me drinks. <laughs> but if you don't cry, <laughs> I owe you drinks. Let me just say that they were two of the sweetest gin and tonics I've ever had. <laughs> that you didn't have to pay for. Well, I didn't have to pay for. Because that film, which is uh, called Family First, I've it's profound. I've seen it many, many times. It still moves me emotionally. You can't help but be moved emotionally. So that's the power of film. Uh, Focus on Ability, folks, on focusonability.com.au is a great place to go for that resource. But get involved. Make a film. Have a crack. That would be my advice. I mean, in today's world, I mean, you have so much access to technology. Mm. I mean, you can buy a phone that 1080p, that's all you need, quality. Just go out there. If you have an idea, like you said, go for it. That's, and that's what I did. Yeah, don't see your idea as not being valuable mm. because if through your insight you change things for one person, surely it was worth the effort. 100%. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I may never know how much of an impact. You won't. No. But you at won't. least I've actually done the thing that yes. I wanted to do. Yeah. And hasn't. Like you come up with, you come across a lot of negativity. In life, especially mm. as a filmmaker, when you mm. when you mention to someone, or when they ask you what you do, and you say I'm a filmmaker, I make I make stories mm. into into film, mm. they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's almost like it's shunned in a way. But well, there's that elitism at the very top. Yeah. So if you're Martin Scorsese, people will give you a restaurant table. I know that because I was having uh, lunch in the boathouse in New York Central Park and he got a priority sitting down. Yeah. So, I mean, like looking at those sorts of people as well, Mm. they're great filmmakers. Yeah, but there's nothing else after that. There's not like a second division or a third division or a fourth tier. You either have made a mega success or you don't exist. Pretty much. Like, and it should change. Yes. Shouldn't be that way. Well, we're living in a YouTube world. I think things are changing. Yes, yeah. Um, There are some pretty good filmmakers out there on YouTube Mm. that I have seen. Um, And then we live in a world now where it's just vlogging, where vlogging is, let me tell you something, vlogging is not filmmaking. Filmmaking is telling a story. Yeah. It's not, yeah, anyway, I can go on on a rant, but I won't. But... um, like you said, get involved with Focus on Ability because I guarantee you don't do it for a good cause. Mm. Like spread the spread the awareness out there yeah. to people. Well, from our perspective, essentially working on Focus is a, a labour of love from uh, the staff because they don't get paid. They don't get paid. They don't get paid for that. I think they think I'm going to give it to them later. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope they don't listen to your blog. That's all right. I'm sure they they know anyway or... Well, they may have worked it out. We've been running the show for 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) And 12 years going strong. So I guess finishing up because I am mindful of your time. Mm. Um, So what are some of the most memorable experiences that you've had either in in, uh, just Nova or in the the film? Oh, goodness. Um, 
I, I think initially what inspired me was doing new things. So we, we would like to be the first person to get an apprenticeship, the first person to get a traineeship, becoming more so. I ran a program for people who had a diagnosis of schizophrenia and 15 people that went into that program all got jobs mm. uh, at a time when, and it's still a case, there was some considerable prejudice against people with mental illness uh, as colleagues and co-workers. Um, I think the privilege of representing a hundred and, oh, well, put it into order, some 1,200 people with disability who are keen to work, I think that's that's a remarkable privilege. Uh, representing the best part of 200 people who want to get them there mm. is uh, pretty, pretty inspiring. Um, but the best part of all, and it's still, it's still the most exciting part, is meeting someone coming to us for the first time who frequently has so much to give but has never really been recognised for that capacity and that, that, that op opportunity that they bring and seeing that fulfilled. Mm. You know, to, to go to someone and say, you know, you got the job or to hear that some person that you know well but had some concerns for us to whether or not they'd succeed, has overcome those obstacles and is now working. Uh, people ask me, what, what, what do I do? And I say I'm a manufacturer, mm. Australian manufacturer. I make taxpayers. And it's a privilege. I think it's probably... The, for me personally, I'd rather do that than be the king, you know. It's, I'm just having a great time. Love it. 30, 30 years on. Mm. <laughs> Where'd they go? 30, oh, you're not 30, are you? No, I'm 23. Oh, 23, God. Yeah. Getting there. <laughs> you'll not catch me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. So three bits of advice. You said a lot of advice already, I think, but three bits of advice that you could give to someone that is starting out or just needs a little bit of a boost. Align yourself with others in a similar position. So, uh, and don't be afraid to put your hand up. You know, Australian employers, in my experience, are damned decent. You know, you, there's always going to be some rat bag that's going to cheat you over your tax or your super or whatever it is, but they are so in the minority that's not funny. Be realistic about what can be achieved. When you're 16, you get 16-year-olds' jobs. Hmm. When you're 20, you get 20-year-olds' jobs, and there's not much you can do to shorten that down. Yeah, I'm the chief executive officer, but I didn't start yesterday. Mm. Um, so be realistic about, uh, but 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 aim high. I mean, that almost seems like a contradiction as I'm saying it. So I best just quickly explain. Set your sights high, and be prepared to take steps on that path that maybe aren't one giant leap, mm. but are a series of steps. So if you haven't got a job get a job and I wouldn't be too precious about that. Get a job where you've got some income coming in because it gives you steerage. Mm. You, you can start to, to look around and go to employers and say, I'm presently working for so-and-so but I want to move up in my career 
and I think I could do whatever it is that the person is offering. But be realistic. You, we get a lot of younger job seekers who don't want to go through the stages necessary to, to qualify or to gain the experience that would ground them. When you're a first-year apprentice, you get paid first-year apprentices money. I've got to break it to you, it's not a lot. Mm. Second-year apprentices get paid a bit more because they know a bit more. Third-year apprentices are making a quid and fourth-year apprentices do very nicely thank you, but it took them four years. Mm. And there's no shortcuts. The person that's teaching you took them four years too. Mm. Uh, and getting that across to be realistic, but but have a goal. You don't have to – it doesn't all start and end with Maccas, however good an employer they may be. Uh, and what else would I say? You got to if you don't have resilience, you're going to need to develop it because you, you, you're going to hear no many times. You only need to hear yes once. Mm. No, it takes one. Yeah, that's right. Start um, fire. Yeah, that's that's it. Don't start fire in this weather. No, no. <laughs> he uh, hasn't got any matches that are visible, folks. <laughs> start a fire for change. Yeah, for sure. In, in yourself. Right. And and don't be afraid. No. There's a great film made by a guy called Sean Dobra called Matt, and I'm not going to spoil it, but stick Matt is M-A-T, single T. Matt by Sean Dobra. I'm not going to spoil it, but stick around to the end. Okay. Because that's going to lead on to my next question, which is your favourite film, your favourite actor and the last film that you watched. Unseen. Unseen? Yeah. My favourite. <laughs> that was a good one. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> my favourite film, respectfully, to the creator of Unseen, which is a great film, Google Unseen, comma, focus on ability. Or, or just... Ju- I'll link everyone to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boost your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gosh, the trouble is as soon as I say I've got one film that's a favourite, I think of another that I love just as much. Yep. Um, I love this question. Yeah. (laughs) You can have more than one. Oh, wow, hard. I love Chances. And I'm I'm taking your films out because I don't think that's fair. Um, I love Chances. And I love Family First, however many times I've seen it. I'm Marcus, great film. I'm Marcus, I remember that. Kellyville High, really good film. And interestingly, just that your readers or listeners Mm. will get this as the scoop, Kellyville High um, dedicated some of their space in the school to their media studies because Mm. they enjoyed the results of making a film. They made some more. On the basis of that, they've actually been invited by the New South Wales government to make a full-length feature film. And it's the first first full-length feature film produced by a high school in um, New South Wales. It may be the first in Australia. But that all came off the back of participating in, in Focus. They made some pretty good films. They made some good films. Yeah. Have I gone off point? Favourite actor? I love Paul in the film Paul. Mm. Uh, you would have seen that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love Paul in Paul. Any of the uh, films made by John... Um, Oh, New York-based, uh, not New York, Los Angeles-based uh, actor mm. but also filmmaker and I can't think of his surname. I have one, one to look up. 
but uh, any of the actors in his films. Some of the professional actors that have taken part for bringing their talent into the films. I think they're family. Mm. Um, yeah, any of any of the above. Uh, Josh at um, Goodhue Gardens. Um, yeah, great, great talents. Mm. Genuinely great talents. All good films. Mm. And the last film that you watched recently it can be a focus on ability film. It can be a, a, like a Hollywood film. Oh, Australian film. I'll, I'll give you a quick story on. Um, uh, it's probably completely unsuitable for your listeners, but nevertheless, you never know. <laughs> we did a, a screening in Melbourne for um, some longer films, including one that was made by a group of um, uh, professional dancers, Swedish professional dancers, with a group of uh, young men and women who had obviously a quite profound intellectual disability. Mm. And the film is beautiful. It's genuinely emotive and I would recommend it and um, everybody should watch it. And I loved that film. And it's showing you how perceptions can change. I did a Q&A and they said, well, someone put their hand up and said how proud they were that I'd had the courage to show homoerotic art mm. as a film. And until they said that, I didn't realise I had. Um, but once I'd been told that's how it was perceived. I saw the entire film be differently. It's still a beautiful film. I absolutely recommend it. And I wouldn't. I learned from that never to let other people's opinions influence what you think. If you think it's great, it's great for you. Mm. And don't listen to what other people may say. That's that's great. Mm. And lastly, what's next for you? World domination. <laughs> uh, now I think. Well, we've got some really cool things coming up with Focus in the coming year. Um, Nova Employment's doing a fabulous job, uh, in, in my view. That's a little prejudiced. Um, so that's lots of fun. Um, we're going to have a really strong push towards uh, more schools' entries. Not that we don't get enough, but I want to capture uh, from a larger pool. I'm really very keen to see that happen. So we're writing to schools across Australia, encouraging them, sending them some examples of the films that have been made by other students. Oh, we um, Another quick aside. Did you ever come to Fox Studios when we were at Fox Studios or was that before your time with Focus? That was Focus? probably before my time. We used to be at Fox Studios. Yeah. And at, at the at the end, yeah, we outgrew it, and I can only seat three hundred and fifty, and the chat concourse seats seven hundred and fifty, and we are moving to the Coliseum at the Western Sydney Performing Arts Centre because that can hold twelve hundred. Wow! So big, big news. Your readers or your listeners heard it first. First, first time. <laughs> um, but going back to Fox Studios, there was um, a lovely film. Uh, about a little kitty that made cakes, mm. cupcakes. And it was such a cute little film that we thought we'd invite her along to um, come and get a special Little Kitties Award for a Little Kitties film. 
So this is why you should never work live with children. <laughs> out, out she comes and she's got a little Tupperware container with four cupcakes in it. And she comes towards me and I bend down solicitously, ask her, are those cupcakes for me? She looked back up at me with suspicion in her eyes and said, yeah, but mum says you better give me the container back. <laughs> <laughs> so live on TV, if ever you want to see it, there you go. Oh, and incidentally, on SBS at the moment, um, or whatever there, they've got a uh, channel you can dial up, haven't they? What's that called? Um, is it Aurora? No, we were on Aurora every every um, Saturday Fox and Sunday. Up. It's um, no SBS. SBS have SBS and I, is it iView? I think SBS Live or I'm whatever it is. Yeah. Look up Focus on Ability because we we did a uh, one hour special with them that first went to air on Saturday. Oh, okay. Mm. I'll have a look at that one again. It's a new one. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll have a look at that. Well, thank you, Jared. It's been a pleasure thank interviewing you. Thank so you so much, Martin, for <laughs> sharing your, your wisdom, your stories, and sh- shedding or spreading more awareness. On- and thanks to you, mate, for your support for us and for the work you put in in producing some great films. So if you want to see Unseen, you've got to Google Jared, Unseen, Focus on Ability. You'll get a great film. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. (laughs) Anyway. Wait till you get the bill, son. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Martin. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Storybox podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, you can do so now over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just by searching up the Storybox. And if you got something out of this week's episode, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and share it around with your friends and family. Let's start changing people's lives through powerful stories. You can also connect with the Storybox on social media for updates or to send a a nice message via Instagram and Facebook just by searching up the Storybox. It's that easy. Until we dive next week back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom and don't forget to share your story around. I'll catch you then.